0: Hey guys, welcome back to Sarah Says, the weekly podcast with me, Sarah, CEO and Chief Scrunching Enthusiast over at SockMon Studios, talking about whatever it is that's on my mind. Welcome back to the lightning fire round, whatever we want to call it, wrap up of each individual episode of Bridgerton Season 2, aka Clown Hours, aka This Is What I Wanted, the pastels, and this is what I got a.k.a. The Viscount Who Loved Me, based off of book two of the Bridgerton 8 book series by Julia Quinn, even though it's really not at the end of the day. This is the episode two wrap-up of Off to the Races, a.k.a. the episode that basically includes absolutely nothing that happens in the book, when what we win what we should have gotten was Anthony kissing Kate for the first time in his office after Sienna comes back for a opera house party that Violet throws <sighs> the more I think about it the more I want to flip a table oh or you know punch someone. I don't know. I you know do something. Uh, anyway, let's let's channel the anger. We're pouring it out again. Let's talk about what actually happens in episode two, and what we should have had in this slow burn dumpster fire of season two. Let's go. The episode starts with the. According of Edwina, the next morning after the queen has named her her diamond of the first water, men are lined up. Anthony, of course, shows up, not a flower inside. Kate has made a list. <laughs> Obviously, Anthony was not on it after she had told Edwina to stay away from him. And he says, you know, your butler wasn't going to not let me in. Um, this is what happened in the book. it says the next afternoon was like any following a major ball the sheffield's drawing room was filled to bursting with flower bouquets each one accompanied by a crisp white card bearing the name edwina sheffield a simple miss sheffield would have sufficed kate thought with a grimace but she supposed one couldn't really fault edwina's suitors for wanting to make certain the flowers went to the correct miss sheffield not that anyone was likely to mistake Make a mistake on that measure, floral arrangements generally went to Edwina. In fact, there was nothing general about it. Every bouquet that had arrived at the Sheffield residence in the last month had gone to Edwina. Kate liked to think she had the last laugh, however. Most of the flowers made Edwina sneeze, so they tended to end up in Kate's chamber anyway you beautiful thing, she said lovingly, fingering a fine orchid. I think you belong right on my bedstand. And you, she leaned forward and sniffed at a bouquet of perfect white roses, you will look smashing on my dressing table. Do you always talk to flowers? Kate rolled around at the sound of a deep male voice. Good heavens, it was Lord Bridgerton, looking sinfully handsome in a blue morning coat. What the devil was he doing here? No sense in not asking. What the dev- She caught herself just in time. She would not let this man reduce her to cursing aloud, no matter how often she did it in her head. What are you doing here? He raised a brow as he adjusted the huge bouquet of flowers he had tucked under his arm. Pink roses, she noted. Perfect buds. They were lovely. Simply and elegant. Exactly the sort of thing she'd choose for herself. I believe it's customary for suitors to call upon young women, yes, he murmured, or did I misplace my etiquette book? "'I meant,' Kate growled. "'How did you get in? "'No one alerted me to your arrival.' "'He cocked his head toward the hall. "'The usual manner, I knocked on your front door.' "'Kate's look of irritation and sarcasm did not prevent him from continuing with, "'Amazingly enough, your butler answered. "'Then I gave him my card. "'He took a look at it, then showed me to the drawing-room. Much as I'd like to claim some sort of devious underhanded subterfuge.' "'He continued, maintaining a rather impressively superfluous tone. "'It was actually quite above-board and straightforward.' Infernal butler, Kate muttered. He's supposed to see if we're at home before showing you in. Maybe he had previous instructions that you would be at home for me under any circumstances, she bristled. I gave him no such instructions. No, Lord Bridgerton said with a chuckle, I wouldn't have thought so. And I know Edwina didn't, he smiled. Perhaps your mother? Of course. Mary, she groaned, a world of accusation in a single word. You call her by her given name? He asked politely. She nodded. She's actually my stepmother, although she's really all I know. She married my father when I was but three. I don't know why I still call her Mary. I just do. His brown eyes remained fixed on her face, and she realized she had just let this man, her nemesis really, into a small corner of her life. She felt the words, I'm sorry, bubbling on her tongue. A reflexive reaction, she supposed, for having spoken too freely, but she didn't want to apologize to this man for anything, so instead she just said... Edwina is out, I'm afraid, so your visit was for nothing. Oh, I don't know about that, he replied. He grasped the bouquet of flowers, which had been tucked under his right arm with his other hand, and as he brought it forward, Kate saw that it was not one massive bouquet, but three smaller ones. This, he said putting one of the bouquets down on a side table, is for Edwina. And this, he did the same with the second, is for your mother." He was left with a single bouquet. Kate stood frozen with shock, unable to take her eyes off the perfect pink blooms. She knew what he had to be about, that the only reason he'd included her in this gesture was to impress Edwina, but blast it, no one had ever brought her flowers before, and she hadn't known until that very moment how badly she had wanted someone to do so. These, he said finally, holding out the final arrangement of pink roses, are for you. Thank you, she said hesitatingly, taking them into her arms. They're lovely. It was very thoughtful of you to think of Mary and me. He nodded graciously. It was my pleasure. I must confess, a suitor for my sister's hand once did the same thing for my mother, and I don't believe I've ever seen her more delighted. Your mother or your sister? He smiled at her pert question. Both. And what happened to the suitor? Kate asked. Anthony's grin turned devilish in the extreme. He married my sister. Hmm. Don't think history is likely to repeat itself, but... Kate coughed, not particularly wanting to be honest with him, but quite incapable of doing anything otherwise. But the flowers are truly lovely, and and it was a lovely gesture on your part, and I do appreciate them. He leaned forward slightly, his dark eyes positively melting, a kind gesture, and directed at me, no less. There now, that wasn't so difficult, was it? I... We don't get Flowers! We don't get flowers for everyone. Get none of that. We get him showing up, her coming out, a line of people that are complaining to her that it's taking too long because Edwina is in the house with Lord Lumley, And Kate's like, well, you wouldn't want me to cut your visit short, would you? Like, so why would I cut his short? And they're like, Bridgerton, back of the line. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, you weren't even invited here. So get out. She closes the doors. In his face. Which, you know what? Funny. I did laugh. Okay? Um, but I was... Ugh. Because... We, so we don't just have that. So they they continue their chat in the house. And then Mary comes in. Edwina is with Lord Burbrook on a carriage ride. He... Uh, Anthony officially meets Newton. Wait, does he meet Newton in the show at that no, I think that comes later. Anyway. um, And Mary, because Mary is kind of afraid of Newton, is like, that dog needs to go on a walk. Why don't you and Lord Bridgerton take him on a walk and maybe you'll run into Edwina along the way. And Kate is like, why would she be pushing me towards him? Because she knows I can't stand him. This is weird. But at the same time... Anthony makes a couple of remarks and he says, she, uh, he says, there, shall you do the honors or shall I? Because, uh, Newton has obeyed Anthony. Well, cause it, it, Newton's going back and forth and Anthony says, you sit down and be quiet. <laughs> and Newton does it. So then Anthony's like, Shall you put the collar on or shall I? And Kate says, oh, go right ahead. You seem to have such an affinity for canines. Clearly, he shot that, keeping his voice low so that Mary could not hear. They are not so very different from women. Both breeds hang on my every word. Kate stepped on his hand as he knelt to fasten the lead to Newton's collar. Oops. She said rather insincerely, I'm so sorry. Your tender solicitude quite unmans me, he returned, standing back up. I might break into tears. So they're like, are you sure you don't want to go, Mary? And she says, (laughs) she says, oh, no, like, I, I really don't want to, but I shall see you to the door and I'll wave you off. And Kate says, what would I do without you to wave me off? And Mary says, I surely don't know, Kate. I surely don't know. And she and Anthony go off on this walk. They are in the middle of this. She has this bonnet on her face and... In this moment, she's looking up into the sun, and he looks over at her, and it says, and for one extremely disconcerting moment, Anthony felt a sharp stab of something. Something? He gave his head a little shake. It couldn't possibly be desire. Not for this woman. Did you say something, she murmured. He cleared his throat and took a deep breath, hoping it would clear his head. Instead, he simply got an intoxicating whiff of her scent, which was an odd combination of exotic lilies and sensible soap. "'You seem to be enjoying the sun,' he said. She smiled, turning to face him with a clear-eyed gaze. "'I know that's not what you said, but yes, I am. "'It's been so dreadfully rainy of late.' "'I thought young ladies were not supposed to let sun on their faces,' he teased. She shrugged. "'They're not. "'That is to say, we're not. "'But it does feel heavenly.' She let out a little sigh, and a look of longing crossed her face so intense that Anthony almost ached for her. "'I do wish I could remove my bonnet,' she said wistfully. Anthony nodded his agreement, feeling much the same way about his hat.' You could probably push it back just a bit without anyone noticing, he suggested. Do you think? Her entire face lit up at the prospect and that strange stab of something pierced his gut again. We don't get any of that. We get none of that. He goes back to Bridgerton house and he says, family, man up. We're going off to the races together. We're putting on a united front. And I'm like, what the hell are the races? I didn't even realize that the title of the episode was off to the races. But I'm like, what the hell are the races? Because I didn't get the walk. I didn't get any of that. And then while they're on the walk, Newton breaks free. They're both chasing after him. He goes into the serpentine. He sees Edwina. And then at the same time, they realize that Edwina will get pushed into the serpentine. So they're, I mean, they're at like opposite places and they're like, no. And Edwina says, Newton. And he does. He pushes her into the water and then Anthony fishes her out and he gets so mad at Kate. And Kate's like, wait, you, you're mad at me. And, um, she, he says, um, he says, look at her, just look at her. And she says, but it was an accident. And Edwina's like, I'm really fine. Cold, but fine. See, Kate said, it was an accident. He merely crossed his arms and arched a brow. You don't believe me, she breathed. I can't believe you don't believe me. Anthony said nothing. It was inconvenient to him that Kate Sheffield, for all her wit and intelligence, could not be jealous of her sister. And even if there was nothing she could have done to prevent this mishap, surely she must have taken a bit of pleasure in the fact that she was dry and comfortable, while Edwina looked like a drowned rat. An attractive rat, to be sure, but certainly a drowned one. But Kate clearly wasn't done with the conversation. Aside from the fact, she scorned, that I would never do anything to harm Edwina, how do you suppose I managed this amazing feat? She clapped her free hand to her cheek in an expression of mock discovery. "'Oh, yes, I know the secret language of the corgis. I ordered the dog to yank the leaf from my hand, and then, since I have the second sight, I knew that Edwina was standing right here by the serpentine. So then I said to the dog, through our powerful mind-to-mind connection, since he was much too far away, to hear my voice at this point, to change his direction, head for Edwina, and topple her into the lake.' "'Sarcasm doesn't become you, Miss Sheffield.' Nothing becomes you, Lord Bridgerton. Anthony leaned forward, his chin jutting out in a most menacing manner. Women should not keep pets if they cannot control them. And men should not take women with pets for a walk in the park if they cannot control either, she shot back. Anthony could actually feel the tips of his ears turning red with barely leashed rage. You, madam, are a menace to society. She opened her mouth as if to return the insult, but instead she just offered him an almost frighteningly devious smile, then turned to the dog and said, shake, Newton. Newton looked up at her finger, pointed right at Anthony, and obediently trotted a few steps closer to him before allowing himself a full body shake, spraying pond water everywhere. Anthony went for her throat. I am going to kill you, he roared. Kate ducked nimbly out of the way, dashing over to Edwina's side. Now, now, Lord Bridgerton, it would not do for you to lose your temper in front of the fair Edwina. (laughs) We don't get any of that, though. I just wanted to point that out because we didn't get any of that. We get none of that. Instead, we go to the stupid horse races. Moving along, though, before we actually get to the horse races, Penelope is visiting Eloise at Bridgerton House when, who walks in, Mr. Colin Bridgerton... He is back. Now, I don't know if this is like the call to his book when he actually gets back. But anyway, uh, Anthony shows up. That's when Anthony officially shows up and he says, oh, Colin, great. You're back. Uh, Family, round it up here. We're all going to the races together to present a united front. Colin, though, I just need to say this. Colin gives Penelope a look. And I just, I just retweeted it because there's, there's a thing that happens at the in the end that I saw in a tweet yesterday that absolutely sent me into oblivion. And, uh, and we're going to talk about it later, um, when we get to the final episode recap. But, um, he gives her this look and I'm like, um, that's like a look that you are in love with her. What are we doing here? Like, like I said in the last episode, I've heard some rumblings that season three may not be Benedict. It may go. Call- I, I don't know. Uh <laughs> I don't know how we're fixing it when we get to the end here. I don't know how we're fixing it. Kind of per se. Whatever It doesn't matter. Um, at the moment. But uh, but yeah, that look was was fire. So um. Anyway, Penelope goes back to her house. She calls Jack. She's like, oh, Cousin Jack. If Porsche's like, did he ask you to call him that? <laughs> She's like, did you shoot all of these animals here? And then he's like, come on, we're all going to the races. Everyone's going off to these horse races that literally do not exist in the book. I don't know. Show of hands. Please raise your hand. Which one you would rather have preferred? The actual Anthony showing up with flowers for everyone and then him and Kate going on a walk? And Newton taking off and then them yelling at each other. And Edwina's like, what's happening right now? I'm fine. Or made up horse races. This is like the boxing all over again, you know? (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I, you know, I enjoyed the boxing of season one, but it doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. They go off to the horse races. Mr. Mondrich is there, speaking of boxing, uh, Simon's boxing friend. And he is very excited to say that he is opening up uh, his own gentleman's club. And Anthony's like, well, that's great. You know that we've been signed up for white since the day we were born. And he said, yeah, I know, but you should really come check this out. Benedict is like, really more so happy to do this but while they're speaking about this Edwina walks by with Lord Lumley, and Kate kind of gets sidetracked with this uh, is it Lord Dorset I guess Mr. Dorset lord, I, well no I figure he's got to be a lord and and I was like I okay I assumed and I know what happens when you assume I assumed that who this Dorset person was just so happened to be another person that wanted to get to Edwina, but was doing it the smart way by going through Kate, you know? This is not to be, though, and we are going to get to it. Violet, meanwhile, is talking to Eloise while they are walking around, and she tells Eloise, just take a a page out of your brother's book. Like, he didn't want to do this for years, but now look, now he's trying. And (laughs) Eloise says, "Uh, so what are you saying? dance with a bevy of frogs and one of them might turn out to be a prince and violet's like well you know if that's the case eloise though is looking at this pamphlet and she like buys a pamphlet and she finds penelope and she's like oh my god look at this pamphlet! it's the same it's the same paper that lady whistledown's written on and i'm just like like girl give it up what why are we doing this why why are we doing this eloise Penelope is very much wondering the same thing. She's like, oh "God, she's like, I, you, you're reading too many conspiracy theories here." Even though she's not wrong, um, but, you know, technically the gaslighting that Penelope does—it's a lot of gaslighting. I mean, it kind of makes sense. I kind of understand it because you know she's got to keep her secret. On the other hand, lot of gaslighting happening here. But anything, anyway, while they are speaking. Penelope sees Colin, or Colin sees Penelope. Anyway, no, well, no. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Eloise doesn't get to Penelope yet. Penelope's walking by. She sees Colin, and they are talking, and they're they're giving me, they're giving me all the feels. And what I was struck with is how Colin's like, well, you know, I was just trying to, like, I'm traveling, and you know, you responded to more of my letters than anyone else, and so on and so forth. Um. These are all conversations that they have once Colin has returned from a seven-year span of time. I think it's seven years between Benedict and... says Okay, 17 to 18, 18 to 19, 19 to 20, 20, 21, to 21, 22, 22, 23, 23, 24. Yeah, it's seven years. Colin's... Or... Um... Benedict's book starts in 1815. There's a 2-year gap there. They pick it back up in 1817 and then Colin Eloise and Francesca's books all happen at the same season in 1824. And between Benedict's book ending and Colin's book is when he's been traveling this whole time. So I'm very I'm very confused right now. I think we're in 1814. Did they do we say Did, cause you? I mean, like the way the first episode of season one starts is Grosvenor Square, eighteen thirteen, dearest reader. Um, do, but we've got to be in eighteen fourteen. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, this is not the point. But um, but then while Colin and Penelope are speaking, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, well, this is a lot like Colin's book, so I'm. Well, I guess fine, but I don't know what we're doing here exactly yet. Um, this is when Eloise comes up, drags Penelope aside, and starts going off about the paper. And Penelope's like, do you ruin my chance talking to your brother about this stupid paper? Um, and then gaslights the hell out of her by being like, it's not the same paper. I think you're going a little crazy here, uh, even though she's not crazy at all. Meanwhile, uh, at the same race event, uh, Lady Danbury catches up to Violet, and they're talking. And Lady Danbury lets Violet know that Kate is firmly standing in the way of Anthony and Edwina because of a love match, and basically makes it known that Kate pretty much overheard that Anthony has absolutely no interest in a love match, and that... just won't do for Edwina. And, you know, it is what it is. I love when Lady Danbury and Violet team up. So I was like, I was very excited for this because I thought, I'm letting it out. (laughs) I thought we were going to have Lady Danbury and Violet team up to get Anthony with Kate. But now, because we're going to get to it when we get to that episode. But anyway. (sighs) Letting out the anger. So, Horse Race, like, the women are sitting down. It is Lord Lumley. Well, it's, yeah, it's Lord Lumley. Edwina, I was just, no, it's Edwina, Lord Lumley, Kate, and this Dorset guy. I don't, I don't know if he's a mister or a lord, uh, at the top of my head. I'm still thinking he's got to be a lord, but anyway, um, they're there, Anthony walks up and Kate's like, oh, well, it's such a shame, like, we're already here sitting, so goodbye, and, and he- Anthony's like, oh, you know, it's such a hot day and, you know, there are no refreshments. And, of course, Lord Lumley, being Lord Lumley, is like, oh, well, I would be happy to go get it. And Anthony's like, okay, great. <laughs> Lord Lumley gets up. Anthony sits down between Edwina and Kate and, and, and you know, I laughed. I was like, oh, okay, uh, sure, fine. Um, and Things, you know, like, they're sitting there talking Ed, uh, you know, Edwina and Kate are, or Edwina and Anthony are kind of talking, but Kate and Anthony are sparring back and forth a lot. And then Lord Lumley shows back up and squeezes in at the end. So it's Lord Lumley, Edwina, Anthony, Kate, and Mr. or Lord Dorset. Uh, and, you know, Kate and Anthony are like pretty much on top of each other. And and I was like, okay, okay, fine. This is fine. The trust that I had. the leash that I gave these brighters, I just, I'm hitting my head. I, anyway, Kate and Anthony, Anthony's like, oh, you know, the clear picks obviously nectar. And Kate's like, of course, like you're just going to pick the one that, um, everyone else picks. Like obviously it's going to be this other one. And you know, she starts going in on like why. And <laughs> And uh, everyone else kind of like, oh, this is like, it's a little awkward. I don't know what's happening. The horse race happens. Kate's horse wins, and and she's freaking out. And as they're walking out, Edwina's like, oh, Kate, doesn't Nectar remind you of the horse from my childhood, whatever? And Anthony's like, oh, well, let me go introduce you to the horse. And Lord Lumley's like, oh, great idea. <laughs> he just he got cut called in. Lord Lonely, I'm sorry, you got cuckolded. Um, what, what's that, um, crazy stupid love where it's like, I'm a cuckold. Oh my God. I've got to tweet that. Okay. I've got to, I've got to send that tweet out. Um, that's a good one from episode two. Uh, anyway, while they're standing there, Kate and Lord Mr. Dorset, whoever, they're walking and he says something and she's like, I thought you just met Mr. Or Lord Bridgerton today. Like, what do you mean at days at Oxford? And he's like, "Ah," I said too much. Turns out Anthony had sent Mr. Lord Dorset, whoever there as a decoy to like occupy Kate so that he could spend time with Edwina. I am shocked. I was shook. I was speech. Mouth open. Mouth open gaping open because, because one, none of this happens. Cannot stress this enough. Absolutely none of this happens. So, you know, there's no point of reference here. (laughs) But the way that the writing staff went so hard on Anthony actually trying to court Edwina when that just absolutely doesn't happen in the book i I well and truly thought that Dorset was after Edwina, but was just getting close to Kate to like get you know get to Kate before going to Edwina i I swear to God I thought that's what was gonna happen so when it turned out i I was literally sitting there like i am I am upset i am hurt i I am hurt, I am shocked, and I am hurt Anthony because what are you doing what are you she's a child. Edwina is a child. None of this happens. Okay. Anyway. I'm sorry. I just, okay. (sighs) Okay. Let it out. Moving on quickly. Eloise tries to suss out the printer. So she hires a coachman, takes her there, meets a, a boy man of her age, has absolutely no problem talking to him. It turns out his name is Theo. We learn this later, but I'm just going to, I'm, you know, we didn't know who, what his name was in this episode. Well, I don't think, yeah, I'm pretty sure, no, he doesn't say his name, but, or did he say his, and it doesn't matter. Uh, his name is Theo, and, and I am, I immediately, I was like, immediately, no, not because I don't think that this could happen. Eloise reminds me a lot of Sybil from Downton Abbey. So it's not that I wasn't like, oh, this is kind of like, yes, she's found someone on par with her that she can quarrel with, but I was like, immediately no. Immediately no, because whatever is happening here is not going to end well. Spoiler alert, it doesn't end well. Um, The girls go to the palace to see the queen. Again, I love... Queen Charlotte, um, her looks, her outfits are stunning, fabulous. She shows them her zebras, you know, wants to show off her menagerie of animals. Is it menagerie or menagerie? Anyway, um, again, none of that happens though in real life. Um, but the queen is trying to keep the girls close, because the girls don't know anything of Lady Whistledown, because in the show, they're coming from India. In the book, there is no queen, and they, they do read Lady Whistledown, because it gets, I don't know how it gets it to the country, but it does. Um, and the girls come back, oh, anyway, sorry, the queen wants to keep them close because she's trying to suss out who Lady Whistledown is. So she's like, look, they don't know anything about her. And so we're going to see who is close to them. And then we're going to, you know, we're going to figure this out this year. They get back. Lady Danbury says, I should have a little soiree, like just with the suitors. So we can really, you know, suss out who's good and who's not. And Edwina and Kate are like, that's a great idea. And Kate says... We should be mindful of the guest list, though, a.k.a. do not invite Anthony. Oh, my God, I get it now. Because there's another thing we're going to talk about the book. Oh, that makes so much more sense. Stupid, but it makes sense. Okay, anyway. So she says, don't invite Anthony. She hears... Horse braying outside. So she goes to the window. Guess who's out front with a horse? Anthony. He has bought Edwina a horse. Ed- mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm counting to five. I'm breathing because. <clears throat> this never happens. Okay. Anyway, so he and Kate go at it again. Edwina ends up coming out and (laughs) turns out that, um, the horse that she was referring to when she was a child was from a book. So it kind of backfires on him, but Edwina's like, isn't he so sweet? He bought me a horse. this man bought her the clown hours the clown hours put into this the buffoonery okay we get to lady danbury's soiree that night eloise shows up she and kate have a right laugh i was dying because kate's like oh aren't you uh one of the viscount's sisters. And she's like, yes, but please don't hold that against me. And Kate says, honestly, that speaks highly for him is that you are uh, a sister. And Eloise says, well, let's not give him too much credit, shall we? Colin is there. Okay. Okay. This is the out of pocketness of this. Actually though, I think this is some, I think this is, Okay, so at the end of the, at the end of the show, the a scene that I saw that I haven't seen yet officially, but I saw stills of it on Twitter and I lost my shit. I want to say that this part is also somewhat in Benedict's book, but maybe not. Penelope is there and she sees Colin because Colin and Eloise got invited and Anthony didn't. Anthony didn't. And Anthony's like, I <laughs> And Violet says, there's a lesson to be learned here, and hopefully you learn it this time. (laughs) And, um, so Penelope sees Colin and she says, oh, what are you going to perform tonight? Are, Are you going to read a poem, sing a song, twirl a hoop, you know, do something? And Colin says, oh, I'm just here to, as a spectator. And Penelope says, really? And Colin says, oh, you know, I've decided, I've sworn off women for now. Like, I... I want to discover who I am before I do anything else. After the Marina, um, or I don't know if he calls her Marina or if he says Miss Thompson. After the Miss Thompson, Lady Crane, that, you know, I I took some time and realized that I, I really needed to learn myself first. And that's fine. That's totally fine. You know what? I... I think that's actually really, really smart, you know, because he was just ready to marry Marina, no questions asked, you know? And then he was even still going to maybe marry her even after he figured out that she was pregnant. But, um, yeah, I, that never happens. That never happens. I'm just, spoiler alert, if you didn't read the books yet, that none of that happens, okay? Marina, we'll talk about Marina in the next episode recap because we actually do see her again. Um, But then he's, but so Penelope says... Well, I am a woman. And Colin, legitimately, Colin, whatever your middle name is, I think we learned it in your book, but I don't remember, Bridgerton. Looks at her, looks her straight in the eyeballs and says, you are Penn. You do not count. You are my friend. Says that with his whole chest. Why don't you stab me in the back? It'll hurt less, Colin. I. Are you kidding me right now? <sighs> <laughs> One, none of this happens, at least in Anthony's book. I. No, he. He definitely never says this to. Penelope. Well, does he say it to Penelope in his book? No, no, no. There is something else that he says that I keep alluding to, and we're going to talk about it, but <laughs> you are, you you are Penn. You do not count. You are my friend. I'm... Just stab me next time, Colin. Just stab me in the back. It'll hurt less. Stab me right in the heart, okay? It'll hurt less, okay? Hurt me harder, okay? God, God, what an idiot. And he says, the way he just, the way he just says it, just says, like, are you on drugs, Colin? That's a rhetorical question coming up for the next episode. Are you on drugs? Anyway. So, um, also though, Okay. I still hate Colin in this moment. I hate him. But uh, when they're speaking, before he says this, buffoonery, um, the shenanigans. Oh my God. Before he says this, so uh, when he says, Oh no, I'm just a spectator, and he says, Are you not a fan of Mystery Pen? And she says, Me? No, I'm always turning to the last chapter first. Same. S- absolutely same. Me and Penelope, in this moment, same, same. We are the same. I do the same thing. We see Cressida is at the soiree wearing a necklace, which turns out Jack gave her, Jack, a.k.a. Cousin Jack, the new Lord Featherington, and I said, absolutely not. Okay? Absolutely not. It's either in... Bennett. No, it's in Colin's book that we find out that Cressida married an old man thinking that he was rich, and guess what? He wasn't, and so she's left pretty much destitute once he dies, and that's what she deserves. So I was like, absolutely not. Get out. I refuse. You are not allowed to be anywhere near the same family as Penelope. No matter what Penelope ends up doing here at the end of the season, no. Cressida can go choke, okay? That's why her name starts with a C, and her last name starts with a C. Cressida can go choke Calper. Her mother can go choke too. Um, but Anthony <laughs> has taken off, finds Benedict at Mr. Mondrich's club. And he's like, Benedict, word, now I need you. And Benedict's like, I'm in the middle of a conversation. Anthony's like, this is important. so Benedict comes out. He's like, what do you mean? And Anthony says, I need you to teach me how to read poetry. <laughs> and Benedict's like, what? And, Anthony hands him a book and it's Byron. (laughs) Benedict says, okay, well, we don't read Byron. First of all, like nobody, no one thinks Byron is beautiful. (laughs) And Anthony's like, what? And Benedict says, like, you you know, basically, why are you, why are you trying to do this? Like, you just have to go and speak from your heart. And Anthony's like, okay, I don't know how to do any of that, you know, basically. Um, And so Benedict says, so like Anthony's starting to walk away and then Benedict says, what is it truly to admire a woman, to look at her and feel inspiration, to delight in her beauty so much so that all your defenses crumble, that you would willingly take on any pain, any burden for her, to honor her being with your deeds and words. And I'm like, that's beautiful. And you know what Anthony says? Benedict, that's beautiful. You should write that down. And then you know what Anthony does? Anthony goes to that party, shows up, walks in, uninvited, unannounced, walks in, and says that he has a handwritten poem that he wrote. And when he starts to read that poem off, I, I was, I was honestly staring down the screen and all I could think was the line, the, you know, the infamous would start off as a vine where it's the, the Wicked Witch of the East the thing where he's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Her sister was a witch. And what was her sister? A princess. And, and the wicked witch of the east, Doug. And and then Doug's like, I'm gonna stab him. That's all I I was I was staring it down, and all I could think, I was like, I'm gonna stab him. I'm going to stab this man. <laughs> I'm gonna do something because this is absolutely unacceptable. And then Anthony sort of redeems himself because he stops and he says, you know what? I can't do this. I I didn't write this. I can't read poetry. I can't sing. I can't do all of this. But I, I don't know. I don't even know what he says because, because he's saying it to not <laughs> <clears throat> He says all of these beautiful things straight to Edwina's face, to her eyeballs, eyeball to eyeball says this. And everyone's like, oh my God, that's so sweet. (sighs) And I'm like, what are we doing? It's at this moment where I'm like, um, should I be concerned where we're heading? Um right now because none of this happens in, in the story. And, and I'm, I'm concerned. (laughs) I, I'm getting, I'm now getting concerned for where we're going. So that is the finale of the episode, but this is not where we're going to end this podcast yet because I've realized that what we got in the show is supposed to replace this scene I'm going to read it, and you tell me that at the end of this, you preferred the Lady Danbury soiree, half-plagiarized poem declaration to Edwina, and not this, okay? So, in the book, following the serpentine, Edwina gets sick, and Violet hosts an opera party at the house featuring Maria Rosso, aka Siena. You know, the opera singer that Anthony had a whole affair with in season one. Uh, Maria lasts all of mm, 10-ish pages of the second book and that's it. Um, And they had previously slept together. But the whole him having a house for her and all that, none of that happens. He thinks about it, but he hasn't done it. This is this scene that we've swapped out here. And you tell me that when they were in the writing room, they were like, you know what? No one wants that. Absolutely no one wants that. Let's do this instead. Okay. And it starts off with Kate knew the moment he walked into the room. He shows up as Maria's singing, rude, by the way. And afterwards, Kate is like, I'm going to avoid him at all costs because we are oil and water. So she goes out into the hallway She hears him talking. She's like, oh, crap. So she goes into a room, closes the door. She's like, okay, as soon as I don't hear the voices anymore, I'll go back. Then she hears them coming towards the door. She turns around. It's Anthony's study. And she's like, shit. So she hides under a desk. And this is is the following, okay? Buckle up, everyone. Buckle up. Snuggle down deep. Buckle up into this. And then you tell me that you preferred Lady Danbury. Okay. And says... Then followed a few unintelligible sounds, which Kate dearly prayed were not the prelude to something considerably more intimate. After a moment, though, the Viscount's voice's voice emerged clearly. Would you care for something to drink? Maria murmured her assent, and Bridgerton's forceful stride echoed along the floor, growing closer and closer until... Oh, no. Kate spied the decanter sitting on the windowsill directly opposite her writing spot under the desk. If he just kept his face to the window as he poured, she might escape detection. But if he turned so much as halfway, she froze, utterly froze, completely stopped breathing. Eyes wide and unblinking. Could eyelids make a sound? She watched with utter and complete horror as Bridgerton came into view, his athletic frame displayed to surprising benefit from her vantage point on the floor. The tumblers clinked slightly together as he set them down. Then he pulled the stopper from the decanter, poured two fingers of amber liquid into each glass. Don't turn around. Don't turn around. Is everything all right? Maria called out. Perfect, Bridgerton answered, although he sounded vaguely distracted. He lifted the glasses, humming slightly to himself as his body slowly began to turn. Keep walking. Keep walking. If he walked away from her while he turned, he'd go back to Maria and she'd be safe. But if he turned and then walked, Kate was as good as dead, and she had no doubt that he would kill her. Frankly, she was surprised he hadn't made an attempt last week at the Serpentine. Slowly, he turned and turned and didn't walk, and Kate tried to think of all the reasons why dying at the age of 21 was really not such a bad thing. Anthony knew quite well why he'd brought Maria Rosso back to his study. Surely no warm-blooded male could be immune to her charms. Her body was lush, her voice was intoxicating, and he knew from experience that her touch was equally potent. But even as he took in that silky sable hair and those full padding lips, even as his muscles tightened at the memory of other full pouting parts of her body, he knew that he was using her. He felt no guilt that he would be using her for his own pleasure. In that regard, she was using him as well, and she at least would be compensated for it, whereas he would be out several jewels, a quarterly allowance, and the rent on a fashionable townhouse in a fashionable, but not too fashionable, part of town. No, if he felt uneasy, if he felt frustrated, if he felt like he wanted to put his damn fist through a brick wall, it was because he was using Maria to banish the nightmare that was Kate Sheffield from his mind. He never wanted to wake up hard and tortured again, knowing that Kate Sheffield was the cause. He wanted to drown himself in another woman until the very memory of the dream dissolved and faded into nothingness. Did I mention, by the way, that he had a spicy dream about Kate? Could have had that. Could have had that in episode two. it Didn't get that, though. Because God knew he was never going to act on that particular erotic fantasy. He didn't even like Kate Sheffield. The thought of betting her made him break out into a cold sweat, even as it swirled a ripple of desire right through his gut. No, the only way that dream was going to come true was if he were delirious with fever. And maybe she would have to be delirious as well. And perhaps they would both have to be stranded on a desert aisle or sentenced to be executed in the morning, or Anthony shuddered. It simply wasn't going to happen. But bloody hell, the woman must have bewitched him. There could be no other explanation for the dream. No, make that a nightmare. And besides that, even now, he could swear he could smell her. It was that maddening combination of lilies and soap, that beguiling scent that had washed over him while they were out in Hyde Park last week. Here he was, pouring a glass of the finest whiskey from Maria Rosso, one of the few women of his acquaintance who knew how to appreciate both the fine whiskey and the devilish intoxication that followed, And all he could smell was that damp scent of Kate Sheffield. He knew she was in the house and he was half ready to kill his mother for that. But this was ridiculous. Is everything all right? Maria called out. Perfect. Anthony said, his voice sounding tight to his ears. He began to hum something he'd always done to relax himself. He turned and started to take a step forward. Maria was waiting after all. But there was that damn sin again. Lilies. He could swear it was lilies. And soap. The lilies were intriguing, but the soap made sense. A practical sort of woman like Kate Sheffield would scrub herself clean with soap. And I just want to interject here and say, what does that mean? Are you not using soap, Anthony? What are we using here? Anyway. His foot hesitated amid air, and his his step forward proved to be a small one instead of his usual long stride. He couldn't quite escape the smell, and he kept turning his nose, instinctively twisting his eyes toward where he knew there couldn't be lilies, and yet the scent was impossibly there. And then he saw her under his desk. It was impossible. Surely this was a nightmare. Surely if he closed his eyes and opened them again, she'd be gone. He blinked. She was still there. Kate Sheffield, the most maddening, irritating, diabolical woman in all of England, was crouching like a frog under his desk. It was a wonder he didn't drop the whiskey. Their eyes met, and he saw hers widen with panic and fright. Good, he thought savagely. She should be frightened. He was going to tan her bloody hide until her hide was bloody, well, bloody. What the hell was she doing here? Wasn't dousing him with that filthy water of the serpentine enough for her bloodthirsty spirit? Wasn't she satisfied with her attempts to stymie his courtship of her sister? Did she need to spy on him as well? Maria, he said smoothly, moving forward toward the desk until he was stepping on Kate's hand. He didn't step hard, but he heard her squeak. This gave him immense satisfaction. Maria, he repeated, I have suddenly remembered an urgent matter of business that must be dealt with immediately. "'This very night?' she asked, sounding quite dubious. "'I'm afraid so.' "'Uff!' Maria blinked. "'Did you just grunt?' "'No.' Anthony lied, trying not to choke on the word. "'Kate had removed her glove and wrapped her hand around his knee, "'digging her nails straight through his breeches and into his skin. "'Hard. "'At least he hoped it was her nails. "'It could have been her teeth. "'And you sure there's nothing amiss?' Maria required. "'Nothing at whatever body part Kate was sinking into his leg sank a little farther.' Oh, the last word came out as more of a howl, and he kicked his foot forward, connecting with something he had a sneaking suspicion was her stomach. Normally, Anthony would die before striking a woman, but this truly seemed to be an exceptional case. In fact, he took not a little bit of pleasure in kicking her while she was down. She was biting his leg, after all. Allow me to walk you to the door, he said to Maria, shaking Kate off his ankle. But Maria's eyes were curious, and she took a few steps forward. Anthony, is there an animal under your desk? Anthony let out a bark of laughter. You could say that. Kate's fist came down on his foot. Isn't it a dog? Anthony seriously considered answering in the affirmative, but even he was not that cruel. Kate obviously appreciated his uncharacteristic tact because she let go of his leg. Anthony took advantage of his release to quickly step out from behind the desk. Would I be unforgivably rude, he said, if I merely walked you to the door and not back to the music room? She laughed. I am a grown woman, my lord. I believe I can manage the short distance. Forgive me? "'I suspect there isn't a woman alive who could deny you forgiveness for that smile.' "'You are a rare woman, Maria Roscoe. She laughed again, but not apparently rare enough. She floated out, and Anthony shut the door with a decisive click. Then, some devil on his shoulder, surely prodding him, he turned the key in the lock and pocketed it. "'You!' he boomed, eliminating the distance to the desk in four long strides. "'Show yourself!' When Kate didn't scramble out quickly enough, he reached down, clamped his hand around her upper arm, and hauled her to her feet. Explain yourself, he hissed. Kate's legs nearly buckled as the blood rushed back to her knees, which had been bent for nearly a quarter of an hour. It was an accident, she said, grabbing onto the edge of the desk for support. Funny how those words seem to emerge from your mouth with startling frequency. It's true, she protested. I was sitting in the hall and she gulped. He had stepped forward and was now very, very close. I was sitting in the hall, she said again. "'And I heard you coming. I was just trying to avoid you. "'And so you invaded my private office?' "'I didn't know it was your office. I!' "'Kate sucked in her breath. He'd moved even closer, "'his crisp, wide lapels now only inches from the bodice of her dress. "'She knew his proximity was deliberate, "'that he sought to intimidate rather than seduce, "'but that didn't do anything to quell the frantic beating of her heart. "'I think perhaps you did know that this was my office,' he murmured, "'letting his forefinger trail down the side of her cheek. "'Perhaps you did not seek to avoid me at all.' "'Kate swallowed convulsively, long past the point of trying to maintain her composure. "'Hm?' "'His fingers slid down the line of her jaw. "'What do you say to that?' "'Kate's lips parted, but she couldn't have uttered a word if her life had depended upon it. "'He wore no gloves. "'He must have removed them during his tryst with Maria, "'and the touch of his skin against hers was so powerful it seemed to control her body. "'She breathed when he paused, stopped when he moved. "'She had no doubt that her heart was beating in time to his pulse.' Maybe he whispered so close now that his breath kissed her lips. You desire something else altogether. Kate tried to shake her head, but her muscles refused to obey. Are you sure? This time her head betrayed her and gave her a little shake. He smiled, and they both knew he had won. Anthony knew he had to be insane. There could be no other explanation. He'd meant to scare her, terrify her, make her understand that she could never hope to meddle in his affairs and win him and win, and instead. He kissed her. (laughs) There was something about her that suited him like no woman ever had before, as if his body had discovered something his mind utterly refused to consider. Something about her was right. She felt right, she smelled right, she tasted right. And he knew that if he stripped off all of her clothes and took her there on the carpet on the floor of a study, she would fit underneath him, fit around him just right. It occurred to Anthony that when she wasn't arguing with him Kate Sheffield might bloody well be the finest woman in England His arms which had imprisoned and had a, her arms which had been imprisoned in his embrace slowly edged up until her hands were hesitantly resi- resting on his back and then her lips moved it was a tiny thing actually a movement barely felt on the thin skin of his forehead but she was definitely kissing him back a low triumphant growl emerged from Anthony's mouth as he moved his mouth back to hers kissing her fiercely Daring her to continue what she'd begun. Oh, Kate. God, you taste so good. Bridgerton? Her voice was tremulous. Don't say anything, he whispered. Whatever you do, don't say anything. But not a word, he interrupted, pressing a finger to her lips. The last thing he wanted was for her to ruin this perfectly good moment by opening her mouth and arguing. We could have had that. Could have had that. Could I have had that. Th- this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted. What did I get? I got Anthony trying to plagiarize Benedict's poem at Lady Danbury's in front of a whole crowd to Edwina. <sighs> Cracking my neck. Oh! <laughs> I just, I just want to talk to the writers. I just want to sit down, have a little heart-to-heart conversation. I just want to know who nicks this scene. Okay? That's all I want. Mm-mm. What's going on? Mm-mm. What's going on right now? What's happening? What's happening? What? I'm not well. I'm not well. On that note, I'm going to sign off on (laughs) the second episode recap. I mean, you tell me. You tell me. Did you enjoy the horse race in Lady Danbury's soiree more? Or would it have been better if we had taken a walk where Anthony First had given flowers to everyone involved? And then chased after a dog, and then we get. Well, it's not a library; it's a study. A study kiss. I would have preferred that. <laughs> I would have preferred that because they don't actually kiss until episode six. I'm just saying. I'm just saying they didn't even have to sleep together. We we really we could have forgotten the dream. I don't even care. I don't even care. Could have had that though. <clears throat> didn't get any of that. <sighs> I am unwell. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. I Oh, I, it's like in the moment I didn't realize it. And now that I realized what I could have had. Oh, I hate it. I hate it a lot. Anyway, come back for episode three's review of Be In Your Bonnet. We get the Pall Mall game. The Pall Mall game was the one thing I really didn't get into in the Anthony Breakdown podcast because that was back when I was trying to keep podcasts uh, short. Uh, Now I don't care. So um, we're going to, we're really going to divulge into the Pound Mound game. And then we're going to talk about the bee sting. (laughs) Oh my God. If you had heard me I just, like, I had the episode playing in my car while I was driving home the other day from work. Yesterday. It was still yesterday. If you... I would have been on an episode of Scared Straight at the end of episode three. I was screaming that hard. I was... I was <laughs> beside myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, come back for that episode three review coming up shortly. I... I need a hug. I need a hug from someone. I need a rewrite. I need extra scenes. I need deleted scenes. I need these in the deleted scenes. Thank you. Okay, see you guys soon.